0: Let's turn to the Bible. If you've got a Bible with you, or you want to grab a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Jonah. It's our final one of the God of series, and we're looking at the God of mercy, discovering God in the prophet Jonah. Tell me, what's the most obvious little highlight of Jonah's story? What do we know about Jonah? What's the swallowed by the whale? The whale that swallowed. Jonah, yes. But I want to say to you that this book is much more. That's a very vivid picture. But this book is much more than just the story of Jonah being swallowed by a large fish. The book, it, it, it's, it's interesting that each of these uh, prophets we've looked at, they've been written in, in a slightly different way. Jo- the book of Jonah, four chapters, 48 verses, eight of them are Jonah's prayer. A sort of a poem of a prayer, but forty verses only tell the story of of Jonah, and uh, it's uh, it's a book about God's loving concern for all people. If you know anything about the story, you know that that uh, it's not just a story about a big fish. It's a story about God dealing with a wayward man who's given a command to carry the message of mercy to those who need it, and he decides not to do that. God instructs Jonah to go to a place that's totally alien to him. He tells a Jewish prophet to go to a group of Gentiles that represent everything that Judaism is not, in fact, represents the enemy. And Jonah decides to do something else. It's a book that, as we say there, reveals the compassionate and the merciful heart of God. It's a book that has mission and evangelism at its heart. So it's timely that we're talking about this on the very day that Peter is challenging us to pray for Bibles, for evangelists, for missionaries in Liberia. It's a book that shows us that sometimes if we're serious about sharing the good news of Jesus, that comes with a cost. It comes with a difficulty. It comes with a sacrifice. And it's a realistic book because it it reveals that sometimes, even in ministry and mission, we have selfish ambitions and selfish motives that can get in the way. So here we are. We're going to do a flying visit to each of the four chapters. We could read all 40 verses. It won't take that long. We won't do that. But we're going to read some highlights from each of the four chapters just to tell us the story. So here we are. Chapter one, and I've entitled this Running Away from God. Jonah Flees from the Lord. are the first three verses of chapter one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Pretty harsh, isn't it? Go and preach against the city, the town of Bari, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish, complete opposite direction. He went down to Joppa where he found the ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. I want to remind you that God speaks to his followers. What does Jesus say? My sheep know my voice. I speak to them and they listen to me. And I hope you're in that place where you hear from God, whether it's audibly whether it's in your stillness, and your quiet time, whether it's through other people, whether it's when you read the Bible and when you pray. But I, I want to say this, that the God of the heavens and earth wants to speak into your life. And he wants to speak into the life of Jonah. He's sending him to the great city. It's over 500 miles from where Jonah's hometown is, and that's a long journey in those days. And we read there that the wickedness of this city has come up before God. The prophet Nahum later explains to us some of the things that are going on in the city of Nineveh. There's cruelty, there's plundering and war, there's plotting evil against the Lord, there's witchcraft, there's prostitution, there's commercial exploitation. It's just like any normal city today. And God says to, to Jonah, Your job, go there and preach against what's going on. But Jonah refuses to fulfill that mission that he has given. And I'm guess I'm guessing that if we're honest today, we could all probably remember a time in our life when we've heard from God and we've said, You must be joking. I'm going to head off in completely the opposite direction. Now, that might be geographically, that might be spiritually, that might be in Im- whatever. Because Jonah doesn't want this job, he wants to get as far away from it as possible. He had a message to preach judgment and repentance. To a terrible city. But because he had a hang up that he's Jewish and that we're the chosen people and this place is terrible, he decides that he'll run away. What's the lesson from that? Well, the lesson from that is this you can't run away from a God who is everywhere. You can run away from New Life Church. You can run away from me. You can run away from Barry, but you can't run away from a God who is everywhere. And it's interesting that so often people think in their life that if they can just leave somewhere and run away, that all their problems will melt away. And what happens, they probably take their problems with them because they're trying to run away from God and he's there before them. And so, very simply, in chapter one, we see a man who is not just running away from God, he's running away from the call of God on his life. And that might be the same for some of you. You've sensed that God is calling you to something. Perhaps some of your testimonies, when you know God has called you to do something specifically, to be somewhere specifically, and you've resisted it, and it's been painful and hurtful. What what do I always say? The best place to be is the place God wants you to be. And you never find peace and and happiness and contentment and fruitfulness until you're in that place. And And that might be geographically. That might be the house you live in. It might be the town you live in. It might be the church you go to. It might be some attitude that you've got in your heart that needs to be shifted to a different place. Well, I found that that's true and that's real, that you can try to run away from God, but he's before you when you get there. And the best place to be is always the place that God wants you to be. So you might as well get there sooner rather than later and avoid running away. So chapter one, Jonah is fleeing from God. He's running away. He's ta- he knows what Nineveh's like and he's saying, you've got to be joking. I'm not going to be going there. And in chapter 2, chapter 2, I call this running to God, Jonah's prayer. Because the testimony for so many of us is when we've tried running away from God, sooner or later, we realize the only option is to run to God. And this is the famous bit of the story where Jonah has this near-death experience. God sends a great fish to swallow up the prophet. He's on this ship and uh, they call him and say uh, they're in a storm and the people on the ship say, what are you, what are you doing? And they, they discover that he's running away from God and they realize that he's the problem. He's the cause of their, of their, of their situation. So he's thrown overboard and he's swallowed by a fish. And he prays this great prayer from inside the belly of the fish. It's the the strangest prayer meeting that has ever been held in the belly of a fish. After running away from God and sloshing about in the belly of a whale, Jonah sees sense and begins to pray. And so we read this. In chapter 2, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me and I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. How easily could he have even breathed in the belly of a fish. I choose to believe that this story actually happened. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. How easily could he have breathed in the belly of the fish, let alone prayed? Well, if God was involved, he could have done it. And so he prays in this desperate state. God hears him. And it's so often in the desperate place where we see things for what they really are. And we get that fresh revelation of who God is and who he wants for us. And so in this desperation, Jonah sees things in the true light, calls out to God. He experiences repentance and a new start for himself. And I want to say this that the honest prayer of repentance is always heard. If God can hear Jonah in the depths, in the middle of the belly of a fish, he can hear your prayer. If you simply prayed that prayer that, that Ben said he saw this week, God help me, and you say it with a heartfelt sincerity behind it, God will hear your prayer. And as we go through this story, we see that there's mercy in two levels here. There's mercy on this terrible enemy city that doesn't deserve it. And there's mercy on Jonah himself, who's turned away from God but comes back as he repents. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, well, wow, my life on the last few years has felt a little bit like I'm running in that direction and God's asking me to run in that direction, take heart from the story of Jonah. This couldn't be, he, he couldn't have wanted to go further away from where God was sending him. And even though the situation gets desperate, God hears him and restores him, and sends him back on the journey that he's meant to be on. The prayer of repentance is always heard. There's a similarity between Jonah's experience and that of Jesus. Jesus went to the extremity of human suffering because of his own disobedience? No, because of the disobedience of others. Jonah goes to the extremes of suffering because of his own disobedience. And what Jonah endured figuratively, Jesus endured in reality. So chapter one was running away from God. Chapter two was Jonah's prayer, running to God. Then we get to chapter three, running with God. Jonah eventually goes to Nineveh. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. And proclaim it to the message, to it, the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. Let's just stop there a little bit. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God is always a God of the second chance. When you've heard from God and you've beaten disobedient, God doesn't change his tune. God will keep calling you until... You are obedient. And so God speaks to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. I look at my own life and I look at some situations some of you have been in and I say this, how much easier would life have been if we had just fulfilled that verse, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord? Lots of the challenges and problems that I faced in my life would have been so much easier if Nigel had obeyed the word of the Lord. And I guess it's the same for you. You look back on times and you think, how dumb was I to do that? How rebellious was I? If only I trusted the word of God. If only I trusted that God had spoken to me. And more importantly than that, if only I'd been obedient to what God has, had said to me. And so he goes to Nineveh, a very important city, the Bible tells us. A visit required three days. It's a massive place. It's a big, big city in ancient times. So he hits the ground running. He preaches a simple message wherever he goes. And throughout his ministry... Something like 600,000 people turned to the Lord in a three- or four-day mission. I'm thankful that we've only got to buy a 1,000 or so Bibles for Liberia, not 600,000. But Jonah's three- or four-day ministry in the city of Nineveh shows forth an incredible harvest for the kingdom of God. And that's so important to remember because when we, if we're disobedient to the call of God on our life, two things happen. One, we miss out, but almost certainly other people miss out as well. Because when God calls us and when we're obedient, when God places us, he places us for a situation situation. And I'm thinking of so many situations. I'm thinking of when Jill says to me, let's talk to Dave and Becky about moving to Barry. And I'm thinking, no, they won't won't want to do that. And just said, we'll have a conversation with them. So we have a conversation with them. And they'd already been seeking God. But they could have said, yeah, we don't fancy Barry. Thank you very much. We'll we'll stay put. And who could have blamed them? (laughs) But... I can only imagine what would church life have been like without the obedience of Dave and Becky moving to to Barry. When I spoke to Ben a few months ago, I said to him, do you fancy coming alongside us in Barry for who knows, a few months, a few years? There was loads of reasons why he might have said no, but he sensed it was the right thing from God and so he was obedient to that driving from the other side of Cardiff here every 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 Sunday where would we have been a few years ago when when we had a succession of people who'd been church treasurer a short space of time and Peter stepped into that role where would we have been as a church you know when we relaunched New Life Church, when when we relaunched the Elim Church in Barry over five years ago with Pastor Sung in the very, very early days, even though I wasn't here, between the old church leadership handing over and not quite a new leadership started, would you believe it? I was the treasurer of the Elim Church in Barry. Fortunately, I was in the same office as Dan's dad, Steve, who has got a financial head about him. So actually, he was the treasurer for the church in Bally Because I'll go, Steve, help me. I don't know what I'm doing. And whether we go little or whether we go big, there's always stories of God speaking into people's lives and people being obedient. A lot of the time, there's a sacrifice involved. A lot of the time... There's a challenge involved. A lot of the time there's an act of obedience that's needed. But time and time again, when individuals make that choice, they realize that they're in the best place. They see fruitfulness in their own lives and they're blessed to see God using them for fruitfulness in other people's lives. I'd love to know... Some of the sermons that Jonah preached, some of the messages that he gave in that period that seems to shift the spiritual atmosphere of the city of Nineveh. And look at what God responds towards the end of chapter 3. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. See, when men and women respond to God's message of judgment by by repentance, God is always merciful. And here... We see God seemingly change his mind. He was going to bring punishment and judgment on this city. But because of their repentance, because of their understanding of their sin, he brings mercy and grace. And where is that most perfectly pictured in your life and in my life? It's through Jesus. When we've celebrated this morning, the mercy and the grace... That Jesus brings, remember we said grace is when we get what we don't deserve. That's God's grace. Mercy is when we don't get what we do deserve. And the city of Nineveh deserved punishment, deserved judgment, deserved annihilation. But God withholds that and gives them what they don't deserve because God is merciful And God is graceful. And it would be oh so lovely if that was the end of the story. But those of you who know the book of Jonah know that we've got a little bit more. Because we've seen Jonah run away from God. We've seen him run to God. We've seen him run with God. And now, chapter 4, he's running against God. He's not just running away from God, he's clashing, he's running into God. Because we read these words in chapter 4. Because Jonah is angry at the Lord's mercy. Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. It's a lovely way of describing God, but Jonah's doing it out of anger. I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, our Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? You see, Jonah's prejudice is displayed here. As he responds to the Lord's grace, instead of getting great joy out of the mission that God has sent him on, Jonah gets angry. He's furious and disappointed that his preaching had such a positive impact. You can't hardly imagine it. he's been to this great city and his words have transformed the city and he's now angry. Why? Because he doesn't think the citizens of Nineveh deserve it. He doesn't think they deserve to be filled with God's grace, his love, his mercy. He doesn't think they deserve to be spared. He wanted a people judged, but God wanted a people changed. Usually, after a big revival... It's the new converts that need to be nurtured in the ways of the Lord. But here it's the evangelist himself who has to be nurtured again in the ways of the Lord because he seemed to have forgotten it. His prejudices, his Jewishness kicks in and, and, and he, would, he was happy to deliver a fire and brimstone message and see them destroyed. But when God responds to them with grace and with love and with mercy and compassion, Jonah is angry. Take away my life, he says. Because he realizes that God's mercy on the city of Nineveh means that God's special relationship with the people of Israel has been spread to the Gentiles as well. And he's not ready for that. And in case we get too judgmental, let me say this. There are probably people or types of people or places, or lifestyles that you and I might struggle with when they receive God's mercy and God's love. There's always somebody in our life or some type of person, group of people in our life that we say, surely not, Lord. Surely you should should send your judgment on them. Surely you shouldn't pour out your grace and your mercy on them. They don't deserve it. And you're right, they don't deserve it. But the point we often miss is, hey, us in our high and mighty place of judgment, we don't deserve God's mercy and love either. And that was the problem that faced Jonah. The book of Jonah is just another Old Testament pointer to the complete revelation of God's love and his mercy through Jesus. The message of the book of Jonah could be summed up in this translation of Paul's Words in Romans 9, 14 and 15. I don't think we've got it on the screen. Is this grounds for complaining that God is unfair? Not so fast, please. God says, I'm in charge of mercy. I'm in charge of compassion. And so we don't get to dictate where God will spread his mercy, where God will show his compassion. And I'm so grateful for that because somewhere down the line, Somebody probably looked at me and thought, he's not worth God's grace. Somebody probably looked at you and said the same thing. But aren't we glad that humans aren't in charge of God's mercy and God's grace? Aren't we glad that Jonah didn't have the final say about the city of Nineveh? Aren't we glad that we don't have the final say about Barry, of Glamorgan, Wales, the UK? But however... Desperate we think this nation is in, that there is a God who still wants to call and commission people to be his good news, where we live, and nobody is beyond God's mercy. Final story for you, and then we'll finish. Back in the Napoleonic Wars, we've just speak, Jill and I've just been on holiday, and we were in Malta for a few days in Malta, a very historic place, and part of the Malta story is Napoleon and the French seizing it before the British take it over. There's a story from Napoleonic times of a mother who approached Napoleon seeking a pardon for her son, and the the emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offence twice, and both times justice demanded death. But I don't ask for justice, the mother pleaded. I'm asking for mercy. But your son does not deserve mercy, cries Napoleon. Sir, the woman pleads. It would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. Well then, Napoleon says, I will give you mercy. And he spared the woman's son. I hope you're thankful for the mercy that God shows you. I hope you believe that God still wants to respond to towns and cities and nations with his grace and with his mercy in the way that he did with Nineveh, the book of Jonah, the book that reveals the merciful and compassionate heart of God to his chosen people, the Jews, to every nation. A book that has mission and ministry at its forefront. A book that shows the selfish motives that sometimes you and I have when we look at others. A book that reveals the mercy of God, fully revealed by Jesus on the cross. I hope this morning that you've had a fresh revelation of the God of mercy. And you've been reminded that God's judgment is always trumped. By his mercy. And God looks on the community that you and I live in. And at the town that we minister in. And he looks at it mercifully. But God calls people like you and I to obedience. To the places where we can be witnesses of his love. Of his grace. Of his compassion. If we've been disobedient to God we take heart because he treats you and I Mercifully, This morning, what will you respond to the God of mercy? Let's just be still and quiet for a moment. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to minister to us right now. There might be just one thing that we've learned this morning from the book of Jonah that you want us to recognize in our heads and receive in our hearts We thank you that you have dealt with us with mercy and with grace rather than with judgment. We thank you for your perfect grace and mercy displayed on the cross. And so whatever faces us this week, wherever you're calling us to step, we ask that the God of mercy might be with us. And as we revel in the merciful nature of our God, we might show others compassion and mercy too. Pour out your grace. Pour out your mercy on us in and you, in the fresh In Jesus' name.